Hey folks, before we get into this episode, I wanted to give you a little bit of a warning. In case the title wasn't clear, we are talking about spiders. Now, I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, and it genuinely freaks certain people out. This isn't going to be a gross episode. I'm not going to play any creepy crawly sounds or do anything to intentionally freak you out. This is, I swear to you, as is so often the case, a joyful, fun episode about spiders that talks about how important and interesting they are. If you simply cannot do it at all, that's totally fine, but if you're ready, let's go. I moved a few weeks ago. It was a strange experience picking up and transplanting in an entirely new place. I'd only really done that once in my life outside of going to college, and it suddenly makes you see how much life can change with just a change of scenery. I say all this as if I moved very far, but that is not the case. Just a few miles separate me from my former home to this one, but it's enough to feel like this new place is a brave new world of Florida to explore. This new spot is, in fact, within one mile of a massive body of water known as Lake Jessup. Named for Brigadier General Thomas Jessup, who served during the Second Seminole War, Lake Jessup is 16,000 acres of natural freshwater connected to the St. Johns River. It is a fascinating natural wilderness. Even the trailheads that dip into the greater Jessup area are almost too dense to even traverse, with water flooding into the dirt and brush so that the corridor is almost entirely impossible to pass. Every attempt I've made to go into the trails around Jessup has left me dirty and itching at my skin, eager to clean the Florida muck off. A frequent sight for some along Lake Jessup's shores are the alligators, but for me, I've mostly seen spiders. And not just any spider, I've seen mostly my favorite spider, the golden silk spider. Bigger than you can believe and capable of building massive webs that span over huge openings in the tree line, the golden silk spider makes frequent appearances along Florida's hikes everywhere. They are beautiful little critters, ones I am always grateful to see, like the gators that appear along the rivers I kayak. In any other circumstance, I'd be terrified, but they belong here, like I do. So I decide, instead, to enjoy our time together. Even the spiders on my porch hanging from my windows get loads of respect from me. Little flies get grabbed up in their nets and don't bother me as frequently. I find myself ever grateful that the arachnid hunter gets to eat and I have less little bugs to worry about. All that was well and good until last month. You see, I own two cats. The younger of the two, a Maine Coon named Calvin, is a noisy little guy. He chirps and howls at anything that gets his attention, but I've had him long enough to know the difference between the regular sounds he makes and the little rare chirps that indicate a bug in the home. That night, it caught my attention. He was sprinting full tilt around the house, pursuing a creature that just barely moved faster than him. At first, I thought it was a palmetto, which is a common pest that I've squashed a thousand times in my life. But when I stood to chase Calvin, his prey had far more legs and a much smaller body. It was a brown spider being relentlessly pursued by my cat. Panic gripped me for concern of my cat's well-being, and I grabbed the nearest shoe and smashed the little bug without another moment's hesitation. Had it stung my cat? Was this creature venomous? How did it get in? All the questions lingered in the air as I desperately searched the internet for an answer. My cat, completely fine and free from any danger, sat watching me, angry that I had taken his new plaything from him so swiftly. It wasn't much later, after learning about what the spider was, that the guilt set in. 
what makes the golden silk spider out in the woods a friend and the little brown spider in my home a foe? Is the proximity to my cats the great divider, or does its presence in my home make it no longer a part of nature and now a thing that I hold domain over to be obliterated and tossed away? This is my safe space, and this spider has just invaded. But who am I to decide? All the unknowns of that relationship between man and spider plagued me, so, naturally, I called a scientist. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week, our spiders. We share this state with many of the eight-legged beings, and though they are not endangered nor as dangerous as other critters in Florida, the mysteries that surround their existence can leave a serious impact. We're speaking with an expert on Florida spiders about myths and truths, webs and prey, and the little brown spider that snuck into my house. In the United States, there is no spider that bears as much fear as the brown recluse. A lot of fiction depicts spiders as big hairy creatures that haunt our nightmares, more akin to a tarantula than a black widow. An oft-forgotten monster in the arachnid community is the small and deadly creature known as the brown recluse. Growing to about the size of a quarter, they are dark brown and black with huge striped legs with a shape on its back half described as, quote, the neck of the violin pointing toward the rear of the spider, end quote. They mostly live outside, but some are known to live in dark corners within homes and build unusual webs for their eggs. If someone is bit by a brown recluse within a few hours, they will see symptoms that range from an itchy bump to a fever or even vomiting. They have what is called necrotic venom and can seriously affect your body if you come into direct contact. I have good news and I have bad news. Bad news first. The brown recluse can be found in Florida. Good news. They can only be found in a tiny sliver of Florida in the very most northwestern corner of the panhandle. Just a tiny spot. Probably the biggest myth is that we have brown recluses in uh, Florida. That is Dr. William Kern. Yes, I'm Dr. William Kern, K-E-R-N, and I'm an associate professor of entomology and nematology uh, with the University of Florida at the Fort Lauderdale Research and Education Center. This man knows the pests and insects of Florida better than anyone. Well, normally, uh, I spend half of my time teaching, primarily general entomology courses and then courses that specialize in pest management. And then the other half of my time is with Extension, where I work with uh, the pest control industry and the Cooperative Extension Service to get information out to the general public about uh, pests associated with the home and landscape. People find spiders in their houses all the time and they want to make sure that whatever they've just found isn't dangerous. So for years, Dr. Kern was just the scientist for the job. His job is to identify ones that come into his office that have been captured within homes. He has spent his career not just working in this field, but working towards wider clarity between entomologists and the public. The public and the pest control industry um, need education to deal with these pests around the home. And so that's how I got into 
urban entomology, which is is what we call this. And then for spiders, uh, it was partly because when I was a little kid, I was afraid of spiders. And so um, to be less afraid, I decided to learn about them. And the more I learned about them, the more fascinated I became. And, you know, and with, with knowledge, you lose fear. So that's sort of how I got into spiders. Which brings us back to that terrifying little monster, the brown recluse. There's just a tiny corner of northwest Florida that is just barely within the range for the brown recluse. Virtually all of Florida is outside of the natural range for the spider. But doctors will identify anything that is a, a necrotic lesion as a brown recluse bite regardless of the fact that they're not here, so. Clarity on our spiders, on the ones we have and the ones we don't, is what Dr. Kern is working toward. Because, like he said, with knowledge, you lose fear. The field of entomology likely draws many folks working toward that same goal. It's all about clarity and knowledge. The field has expanded since it was originally named. Entomology is classified as the scientific study of insects. A spider actually is not an insect, since the identification of insect is specific to the anatomy of animals labeled insect. The anatomy of spiders is different enough from most insects that technically they are different things. And though spiders are not insects, they are still studied within the field of entomology. Let's talk about our Florida spiders. There are dozens of species native to Florida, and most pose no immediate threat to humans and their homes. My favorite spider, as I said earlier, is the golden silk spider. They are huge, long-legged, and spend most of their time living in forests and wildernesses. The golden silk spider is sometimes confused with the yellow argiope spider, similar in size and shape. But while the golden silk spider has sort of an orange color to it just on the abdomen, the yellow argiope spider is yellow and black striped. They are kind of the same size, but their colors really set them apart. There's also the flamboyant and unusual spiny orb weaver, which has an ovular light yellow abdomen and strange orange-red spine sticking off of its body. I've seen so many of these near lakes, and they are just gorgeous. They are certainly the most prominent spider in South Florida, according to Dr. Kern. There are some spiders that don't make webs at all, like wolf spiders that bury into the dirt, and jumping spiders that skitter along buildings and hide in nooks and crannies. If you live in Florida long enough, you see all of these spiders in every environment, some you may not even recognize at first glance. Our spiders come in all shapes and sizes in a variety of behavior, and that is because, as is always the case in Florida, our environment is made up of two different climates, and thus, we attract all variety of critters. Well, we definitely have um, kind of a unique position because we are connected to the temperate zone. So a lot of spiders that occur throughout the eastern um, United States occur all the way down into Florida. But then we also have these unique spiders, uh, probably mostly originated from the Caribbean, which are neotropical spiders that occur in Florida. So we have this really diverse community because we have this mixing of temperate North American spiders and neotropical spiders, mostly from um, 
the Caribbean, but then we also have some introduced species from South America. In many fields concerning animals and plants, a problem we face is the problem with invasive species intruding on our environment. There are intrusive snakes, intrusive bugs, intrusive fish, but our spiders, Dr. Kern tells me, are under no such threat. Most of our spiders in Florida are native. There are a few introduced species. Um, the only one that I would say is actually invasive is probably the brown widow. Most of the other introduced species, you know, they don't have a significant impact on people. In fact, in terms of invasive insects, Dr. Kern and other entomologists in Florida are dealing with a growing concern. You see, a few months ago, you'll remember, there was concern over a new breed of dangerous hornets that had been spotted in the northwest corner of our country. Their official name is the Giant Asian Hornet, but the internet immediately began calling them murder hornets. And then, of course, now we, we're dealing with uh, the uh, Giant Asian Hornet. It's been in the news, so everybody in Florida thinks they've seen a Giant Asian Hornet, and usually it's just uh, cicada killers, which are common native species. And part of that is because... Uh, I do a lot of work with uh, beekeepers through the Master Beekeeper Program and through general extension. So beekeepers are concerned because in their native range in China, they uh, actually will attack uh, and and decimate honeybee hives. But you know, here in Florida, our biggest problem is yellow jackets rather than some hornet that is only found in British Columbia and Washington and in a small area of those two states or provinces, the chance of it getting to Florida is really remote. Dr. Kern shares that this sort of confusion, the conflation of myths around bugs and insects and spiders, is a dangerous thing. Not just because misinformation in general is a troublesome path, but because we are afraid of what we don't understand. So these little bugs that crawl into our home and in our fields and on our trails are more at risk. The less we know, the more danger there is to them. And what's even more incredible is how these falsehoods spread. I checked in on some beliefs that I've long held about spiders with Dr. Kern and I was surprised by how many of them were just flat out wrong. I don't know where I learned them. I don't know how I got them wrong. I'm either just making assumptions or the information just got spread incorrectly. You'll see. Am I correct in understanding that spiders have some relationship with being near water? Is that just like an assumption I've made or a myth I've heard? Or is it true that spiders like to, you know, uh, grow their nests in spaces that are close to water? Well, some species do. Um, some of the long-jawed orb weavers um, are well known for being closely associated with the bodies of water. Um, and so if you go out canoeing and you go too close to the, the trees along the bank, um, you'll find these spiders. And uh, water is a really good source of food for them because you have midges and mayflies um, that are coming from the water and sometimes in huge numbers and provide a lot of food. So that's why there are some species are associated with water. There are um, numerous species that we have in Florida that are associated with dry uplands. They're 
they are unique to dry uplands. So we do have lots of habitats, so that also explains why we have so many spiders. I've lived in places near water my whole life, as I'm sure many of you have, and I always assumed spiders flocked to balconies and porches by water because, I don't know, maybe moisture was good for webs? Never did the idea of water being a common place for smaller flies cross my mind. It's so obvious. I don't know why I didn't think of it. But in the same vein, I've always been friendly towards spiders on my porch because I've thought how good they are for managing unsavory pests, mostly mosquitoes. Um, not really. Um, they, you know, they will prey on mosquitoes when they're um, harboring. So, you know, they, they can't feed on flying mosquitoes very readily. Um, some of them will catch them in their webs, but you know, there's lots of other things that the, the spiders are feeding on. If they, if they find a, a mosquito, um, say, that is hiding in a tree cavity, um, it will go ahead and try to catch it and eat it. Yep. Now, these aren't harmful myths, they're just misconceptions. When it comes to the little brown spiders of Florida that are mistaken for the dangerous brown recluse, the consequences are far more grave. The one thing I would really try to get people to, to realize is that we don't have brown recluses in Florida. They, they have found probably about 12 samples um, over the last 30 years or so. And almost every one of those we can trace to material that had been brought from their natural range. You know, North Georgia, North Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, um, even southern Indiana, southern Ohio, southern Illinois, um, all the way over to Arkansas and Oklahoma. That's the range of the brown recluse. Everybody knows someone who has supposedly been bitten by a brown recluse and in virtually every case that, that I've been called out on it turns out to be a staph infection. As gross as it may be medicine is able to provide a cleaner explanation. The other similar looking spiders to the brown recluse bear the punishment for something they do not and cannot do. That's sort of my my biggest pet peeve because there are an awful lot of uh, Florida spiders that are killed. Um, everything from little wolf spiders that get into the house to you know the great big huge male huntsman spiders because they think it's a brown recluse. And like I said, in 20 years in uh, Broward County and then another seven years in Pinellas County, I never found a brown recluse in Florida and I've had people send me hundreds of samples to identify and I'd like to tell you that I'm above such fear above such misinformation that I hesitate in the face of a harmless little spider but a few weeks ago when the spider ran across my floor relentlessly pursued by my cat Calvin my only impulse was panic it was almost certainly a brown recluse in my mind and the idea that it could attack my beloved pet sent fear through me. With a shoe in hand and a lack of correct information, I killed the spider without another moment passing. I crumbled up its body and threw it in the garbage. A few days later, in another part of the house, another spider had slipped through an open door and set off across the living room. Again, Calvin found it, and again I pursued, and again 
I smashed it to the ground, scooped up the remains, and threw it aside. The first time, I didn't know what kind of spider it was. It could have been dangerous. The second time I had done my research, I knew it wasn't dangerous, and I still killed it. My best guess now is that it was a house spider, specifically a southern house spider. Their bites are nowhere near serious, only a few cases leading to a swelling wound. They are brown, sometimes amber. They have long legs, eight eyes, and create massive, unusual shaped webs. They do hunt the sorts of insects that crop up around water, and they live in large populations in Florida. Most importantly, they sneak in through the cracks of buildings and doors. Though screens can help, they find their way through open spaces, interior pipes or lines, or even through chimneys in some houses. They're actually related to brown recluses, but are, in fact, entirely harmless, especially in comparison to their far more murderous cousin. All told, a southern house spider is of no threat. Not to me, not to my cats, not to anyone. If they were indeed the spiders that had entered my home, they did not deserve such swift killing from me. They didn't deserve that. Dr. Kern suggests an alternative. Usually what I, what I will do is cover it with a, a jar, or you can use a glass, then slide a piece of um, pasteboard or cardboard um, underneath the edge, and they, they should climb up the side and then carry it outside and let it go. If it is a species that is like an invasive pest or an exotic, um, then I usually I'll just go ahead and I'll suck them up with a vacuum cleaner. And without our spiders, things would spiral apart. If we removed all of the ants in the world, this would be a very different world. I think spiders would be sort of the same thing. You would see a real shift in insect populations if all of the spiders disappeared. We are lucky that spiders are a creature in the world that very rarely need assistance in terms of species preservation. Very few species of spider are threatened or endangered. That's great news. Does that mean we should just ignore their survival? No. In the past, I felt very strongly that critters like spiders could just be squashed and thrown outside. They're just bugs, I thought. I don't want to feel that any longer. Fear is a natural impulse, especially toward nasty little eight-legged things that hide in the shadows and slip into your home. They build sticky webs and eat insects, and they have eight legs. They just look scary. Anyone would be afraid of them on first glance, but... I think we all would feel a little better about ourselves as fellow creatures on this planet if we took a breath at the first sight of a spider, reached for a glass, and just evicted them. They'll be happier elsewhere anyway. Two weeks ago, while decorating for Halloween, I stepped out my front door. There in the shadow of my front porch, a few feet from a pair of glowing pumpkins, there was a large brown spider. He was much larger than a southern house spider, maybe a different variation of the family. I loomed above. He was just inches from my front door, and I won't lie to you, my breath caught in my throat. But I held myself for just a moment, and I finished my work and returned to my home. If he slipped in while I turned away, I wouldn't have known, but I've decided to put myself at ease when I see them again. There are so many spiders in Florida, of various species, of various sizes, in various environments. 
I don't need to be afraid of most of them, and even the ones that I do need to be afraid of, I so rarely will encounter. They do not deserve swift anger or fear or violence. They're just bugs. They're just creatures like the birds and the lizards and us. My little hunter Calvin will certainly rush to a spider the next time he sees one, happy for a new plaything, but I'm faster than him, and before his hunter instincts can finish the job, I'll grab a jar and a slip of paper and the spider and I can part our ways in peace. Spiders deserve as much compassion as anyone else, honestly. Fear should not be our leading emotion, anyway. Not for spiders, brown recluse or not, and certainly not for each other. I think being a little nicer to spiders would be good practice for us all. We should not be afraid of something just because it is something that we do not understand. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I am so glad that you are here. If you are brand new to the show, or even if this is your first episode, welcome. There are some really amazing episodes waiting for you in the back catalog. If you're looking for a good place to jump in, you do not need to go all the way back to the beginning. I recommend that you listen to an episode that I put out this time last year about a similar creepy crawly animal, but this time it's our bats, specifically the Florida bonneted bat. They are facing an unusual problem in their lives right now, and I think learning more about the incredible teensy little creatures that fly around Miami would make us all feel a little bit safer. Go listen to that episode, you will love it. If you did enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a 5-star review below. It helps the show become more visible, and it means the world to me. You can also find me and share the episodes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFMPod. If you want to send me a message, you can do so at WFMPod at gmail.com. And you can follow my personal account on Twitter at WFMNick. I look forward to hearing from you. I'd like to give a very special thank you to Dr. William Kern. His advice and information about spiders is invaluable, and his work in Florida is so important. He has provided a couple of places you can go to to learn more about spiders and become more informed on the specific creatures around your home. I've provided links to all that below. The day that you are hearing this is the first day for early voting in the state of Florida. That is actually how I am going to be voting in this election. If you want to find your polling place, you can do so at registertovoteflorida.gov, which is at the link below. Remember, November 3rd is the last day to vote. Election day is approaching. Make your voice heard. All the music used in this episode is from Lobo Loco. You can find more of their fabulous music at the link below. Next week, in a special Halloween episode, we're going to talk about fear. Specifically, the fear that gripped a small town on the west coast of Florida 20 years ago, and how that fear changed into something bigger than anyone could have expected. I'll see you next Monday with that brand new episode. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be good to yourself, be good to others, wear a mask when you go outside, drink more water, and please, vote. Have a good week.